Welcome to the VO School podcast, dedicated to the art, craft, and business of voiceover. Each week builds upon the last to give you a comprehensive understanding of a career in VO. My name's Jamie Moffat. I'm a full-time voice talent and audio engineer, and I'll be joined by some of the industry's top professionals on both sides of the microphone to drill down and dig up the truth. Hello, hello. Welcome to the VO School podcast. We are up to episode 21, and thank you to everyone that's listened. Thank you to everyone that sent us messages and retweeted everything from our last episode, our celebration of reaching episode 20 and our Black History Month episode. And that was, uh, that's been very well received, so thank you for that. Today, however, we are talking to Joe Cipriano, and he is a promo voiceover legend. And he is one of the biggest promo voices in this country, therefore probably the world. And he's been at this for a long time. Uh, he didn't start out in promo. He started out in radio at an extremely early age. Um, and you'll hear about that in a little while. But before we get there, I want to remind everyone that you can connect with us on social media. And to get all the links for all those places, just visit voschoolpodcast.com. And you'll find links for Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all that stuff. So please connect there. Otherwise, that's pretty much it. So let's have a short ad break and we'll be right back. Coming up next on the VO School Podcast, promo maestro and all-around good guy Joe Cipriano shares his stories on life in voiceover. That's next. The National Zoo. Because sometimes you just need to stroke a llama. Instagram. Download it and start embarrassing your teenagers today. Resolve spot and stain. Because the dog's gonna drag his butt on the carpet. He just is. Engage the droid army with this Lego Star Wars Republic fighter tank. Hi, it's J. Michael Collins. And these are just a few examples of the first-class demos my team and I are producing. If you'd like to have something similar, visit jmcvoiceover.com and click on the Demo Production tab to find out more. Okay, so today I am joined by promo maestro, <laughs> Joe Cipriano. So, Joe, thanks for joining us. Wow, maestro. I've not heard that before, Jimmy. <laughs> I am I'm honored. Thank you. Well, Thank you, you are. I think that's a fair enough description of what you do. <laughs> <laughs> so, first of all, um, I want to get a bit of backstory. So, why don't you tell us how you got started, when you got started, how old you were, and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Well, I you know, I actually started in radio. And uh, radio was my day job, um, gosh, mm. for a number of years. Uh, I started in radio at the age of 14 in Waterbury, Connecticut. I grew oh, up wow. in a small town called Oakville, Connecticut, uh, and um, called my local DJ one day when I was 14. It was the summertime of, uh, of uh, in between, let's see, in 14, I think I was a, maybe a sophomore or freshman, I think I was a freshman in, in high school. Yeah. And um, he was kind enough to let me come down to the station, and I'd never seen one before. And I caught that bug, and, uh, you know, I would go every weekend to do anything, you know, um, file records in the library, the music library, or yeah. go out and get sandwiches for the, for the on-air personalities. And um, so my radio career uh, kind of grew, and uh, I went full-time when I was 16, and... 
Oh, you wow. know, I was a junior in high school going to school during the day and I had a radio show at night, six to 10 at night and would do my homework while the records were spinning. <laughs> <laughs> and I graduated. Uh, they moved me to afternoons, which was great. And um, uh, from there, I, I worked in Hartford. I worked in Waterbury. I, I got a great job offer in Washington, D.C. I uh, went there working for NBC, the youngest on-air uh, radio personality they had ever hired. Oh, I, wow. I was just 19 and um, met my future wife there on her first day at NBC. She was a news writer on the AM, and uh, I was a on-air personality on the FM. And that was 76. We got married in 79. And in, by the end of 1980, we went to Los Angeles to pursue our, our careers. Hers in broadcasting TV as a news writer and producer and now Emmy Award winner. And, uh, and I... Uh, you know, went to L.A. to work in radio and pursue voiceovers. I had started voiceovers in D.C. and worked for a very cool agency, uh, the Denneberg Agency, Elliot Denneberg, and did a lot of really cool um, spots, kind of regional spots for classy department stores and things mm-hmm. like that. Later on in, in life, I, I learned that Elliot Denneberg, who had hired me so many times, is the father of um, Laurie uh, Allen who is a, a voiceover uh, artist and yeah. friend of mine in L.A. <laughs> so hilarious. that was uh, a crazy thing to, you know, to find out. Yeah, and, it comes um, full circle. Yeah, really. It's it's quite amazing. And uh, so, yeah, I, um, I went to um, uh, L.A. to pursue voiceovers and use radio as, as my day gig. And um, right. I was very, very fortunate in that way. So what was the initial inspiration at 14 to call up your local radio station and want to work there? Was that something that you'd sort of, you listened to under the covers at night, you know? Oh, from, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was a big, uh, you know, they used to call that um, DXing, uh, you know, AM radios yeah. at night. They just keep bouncing off the ionosphere and, and <laughs> go for hundreds and hundreds of miles. I used to listen to Super CFL out of Chicago and WLS and CKLW out of Detroit and uh, late at night and thank God I would love to work in one of those cities and, yeah. and do that. And I guess I, I, I gravitated to radio. I had this as a kid at, at maybe 13, 14, that I wanted to be on television. I wanted to be an actor, be in a sitcom, yeah. do something. And I thought the path would be radio. And, uh, you know, to a certain extent, uh, that has happened in the past and it's happened for people like Howard Stern and, uh, mm-hmm. certainly Ryan Seacrest. And, um, so it was, uh, uh, it's like, okay, I could do this and I love it and let's see where it, where it brings me. And, and gosh, you know, I have done some on camera stuff, but you know, the, the, when the focus became voiceover, it was like, okay, this yeah. is what I really, really love. Right. And right. promos, you know, especially, um, I just got, you know, uh, uh, t- to, start to hear these guys, you know, back in the eighties, like Ernie Anderson at ABC, mm. the love boat mm. and uh, <laughs> Danny dark at NBC. And I thought, wow, what a gig to yeah. vocally represent a television network. And, uh, so that was a focus for me. So what, what do you think are those transferable skills from radio that you learned all those years back that you use today? Are there still any that linger? Do you think? It's amazing. And, you know, I teach, uh, I do coaching uh, and uh, produce promo demos and other uh, demos for, for talent. Um, 
but the thing I talk about a lot when I'm working with maybe doing a promo masterclass with voiceover talent is, uh, number one, uh, the skill of timing is, is so important in yeah. promos and especially network promos because uh, the way we do it at the networks at ABC, NBC, Fox, CBS, etc., cetera, uh, we're the last thing to go in. The voice is the last. Yeah. The creative is done. They've uh, viewed the show, decided how they're going to market the show, cut the spots. It goes through revisions. And finally, after it's been approved, it gets down into audio. And then that's when they book us uh, to voice the promos. Mm. And so we're reading to picture. Uh, if you're on IPDTL or Source Connect or ISDN, you're not seeing picture, but you're still reading to the finished product. So you're weaving in and out of SOTs, sound on tape. Yeah. Um, and there are three beeps at the top and you begin, you know, Sunday on an all new blah, blah. And <laughs> then there's SOT and then you're back in and you're back out. And it's that timing that I learned in radio is so uh, important and yeah. it's so great to have in your hip pocket. You know, you don't have to worry about the timing aspect of it. It gives you the ability to concentrate on what you're going to do with the words because yeah. no matter what, you're still telling a story. Even if it's 10 seconds, 15, 20, or 30 seconds, there's still an arc. You know, there's a story arc, and and you're still, um, you know, telling that story. So. And so the the pressure of radio is, is great because it's live, of course. Um, mm. But if you're reading to picture, there's a certain pressure there as well, isn't it? Like <laughs> you say, you have, to, you have the sound ups and all that kind of stuff. You have to hit your mark. Um, so I can definitely see how that transfers. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. I mean, you know, in the back of your mind that, okay, we we have a second try on this. Yeah. But it's it's something. It's a challenge for yourself, you know, as yeah. a professional that um, you want to try to nail it uh, as quickly as possible. And you know, truthfully, uh, the networks, uh, especially during sweeps, they could be cranking out uh, three hundred versions, wow. three hundred uh, promos because. You've got a, for example, if it's a Monday show, you got a Monday, you got a tonight, you got a mix, you've got a next maybe, you've yeah. got a tomorrow version. So for every spot you do, there's maybe three or four other versions, and uh, they have to you know mix those out. So that's a, that's a lot of spots in a day uh, at a single network. So uh, time is of the essence. They want you to read it, get it right, do it awesome, and be done in two takes, and then let's pick up tags and move on. Yeah, right. So do you, how do TV promos and radio promos differ? I mean, obviously you're not doing it to picture. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, how is the is the approach the same? I think the the creative is is different uh, yeah. because you know when you, when the writer producer is um, formulating what they are going to do with uh, an episode of a show, uh, mm -hmm. and they're doing it for on air, so it's uh, it's video. Uh, they they have that luxury of, of the video supporting what they're writing, and it yeah. helps drive the story and move the story, create the story. And then, of course, in radio, you don't have the luxury of any sort of visuals. You're only working with audio. So it's an entirely different uh, creative process. Some networks will kind of, you know, they'll take their TV spots and then they'll rewrite the same idea, the same creative, and turn it into a radio spot. But most of the people I've worked with, um, people like Eric Poole and, oh gosh, so many others at, at CBS, um, they they kind of throw out 
forget what TV has done, what on air has done right. on, the, on the radio side. They'll watch the episode and and go about creating, um, you know, what what their story is going to be. Yeah. And uh, so it's a different it, it's entirely different. And the read is different as well. Um, more copy in a radio spot. Mm-hmm. You're driving it uh, a little bit more, whereas in the on air, you know, maybe you're playing off video sometimes and maybe you're saying something that's, you know, uh, kind of ironic you know, when you compare it to what the visual is, yeah. you're hitting graphics, radio, you're not hitting graphics. So it's just important in radio to uh, have a really clear story um, and um, an understanding of, okay, what's the information we're trying to impart to the audience? I um, would definitely recommend listeners check out footage of you working on YouTube. It's really, really interesting. <laughs> there's, there's shots of you and obviously the camera's just looking at you and you're absorbed by what you're watching on screen and you're doing it live. <laughs> I'm interested to hear your creative process, that goes, what goes on in your brain as you're watching something and making choices based on the script and based on what's happening on screen. I mean, is there any way you can paint that picture for us? Well, uh, you know, I think that uh, all of us uh, are hired. When, when you get up to the network level uh, of promos, you're being hired to do what you do. So if yeah. they're going to place me on a show, they want me to do what they are, are familiar with. And mm-hmm. so uh, I know that um, at least I've got that going for me. I, I know <laughs> that what I'm going to do is kind of what they're looking for. Yeah. And then individually at each promo, you look for, I have to admit, it's just so much fun. <laughs> I'm just looking for opportunities where I can do something that's just a little bit different, a little bit special. Yeah. Um, a turn of a phrase, a phrasing is so, you know, incredibly important. Yeah. But uh, it's that first run when you're just, you haven't seen the spot. The, the script was really just handed to you uh, 30 seconds ago and you have a quick look at it. And the three beeps start and you're exploring from yep. that moment on, from the next 30 seconds. It's like, how much time do I have here? Oh, that's the visual that goes with that line. I mm. see. Oh, okay. I know what I can do with that. I mean, it's a, it, it's a process of like, it's a learning process. And at the same time, it's this, you see all these new opportunities and, and many times you'll, You'll come up with two or three different ways that you can um, read a phrase or or do the overall, and and they're always up for that. You know, we'll we'll do one, and that's mostly for timing. Okay, got the timing now, and then you do the next one, and the third one is like, you know, let me. How about if we try this? Are we up for this? And yeah. and they might cherry pick, you know, and take uh you know top two lines from the second take and the middle line from the third take, and then boom, and then move on. So it's 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 truly uh, uh, exploring and, and fun. Yeah, uh, just looking where you can do something a little bit special. It sounds like there's more freedom in promo than there would be in, say, a commercial session. Um, I think so. Yeah, I, I you know, and it's in the in the commercial world, and I don't do a lot of commercial work because you know I do a lot of promo work, and so mm-hmm. uh, you know I might not sound like somebody's father or grandfather. You know, Anne and I, my wife and I were just in Orlando visiting friends and also our niece and nephew. And we were at uh, Orlando Airport and at uh, Enterprise and we were walking out to the car and they always greet you. Somebody greets you to walk you to the car. Mm. And I said, hi, you know, uh, they told me that we have a one grade, uh, uh, one car grade upgrade. 
And she said, oh, really? And then she turned to me and she goes, anybody ever tell you you sound like you're on the radio? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, you have, I I just kind of have that. And that's why maybe I don't do a lot of commercial work unless they're looking for something specifically, you know, like that. Yeah. Um, You know, when they go to do a um, record for a voice or a number of voices for commercial, uh, that creative has lasted maybe weeks and maybe a month Mm, in developing that. Whereas in promo, they've only got a day, you know, to create uh, what they're doing. So there's been a lot of input and a lot of people and uh, several of them show up at the session. So everybody has their own idea. And it can be a long session, and that's why those studios are the ones that have the, the kitchens, because right. yeah. you're going to be there for breakfast and yeah. lunch, yeah. and you might even uh, be there at dinner. Not necessarily the talent, but, you know, the folks from the ad agency will be there. So, And they, they have specific ideas of what they want, right. which I is mean, good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they can get really super granular with yes. emphasis of certain syllables and things like that, and then uh-huh. waiting for sign-off. And we've, we've all been there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So um, when you were coming up, I want to explore that a little bit. Did you have mentors that helped you throughout your career? Obviously, you coach now. So do you think back now to uh, people that were instrumental in how you got to where you are now? Yeah, I mean, I I always, uh, I loved, I mentioned Ernie Anderson and and Danny Dark. Ernie, I I met and actually worked alongside for a while there at at the end of uh, his time at ABC, and I was doing Saturday morning, um, uh, the cartoons, you know, doing promos for that. Mm-hmm. And I got to sit in his chair. Talk about <laughs> YouTube videos. If you look up Ernie Anderson at ABC, oh, uh, yeah. that's a ride. <laughs> oh, cool, yeah. <laughs> Ernie is the that. guy who, this, the reason why we use the Sennheiser 416 microphone mm. goes back to Ernie Anderson. Because Ernie, yeah. uh, quick story, uh, refused to go into the booth. Uh, <laughs> he, 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 he liked to have control. He didn't like the fact that if he's in the booth, he can't hear what's going on in the control room unless they press a button. Yeah. So he um, he was very strong in saying that I, I'm not going in there and I'm sitting right here. <laughs> and so they, they had a challenge there because we're reading the picture and uh, we've got the guy in the room with us. Yeah. We have to hear what's going on. So someone along the way said, why don't we try this 416 that we use as a boom mic? It's extremely directional and it'll cancel out, you know, room noise. And um, nobody worked it up close like this. You know, uh, a 416 is usually, you know, 10 feet away from you. And uh, there's a lot that uh, cool qualities that this microphone picks up, uh, which have become the standard for for promo. So, um, you know, watching guys like Ernie uh, and learning about the business uh, I was really fortunate early on when we first moved to Los Angeles. Somehow I made a connection with a writer-producer at CBS, and he allowed me to come in and sit in the booth and watch oh, what right. happens in a promo session, and that was unbelievable. You know, that's that was like, um, talk about master classes. Yeah. I mean, I learned everything there. And then as a mentor and and close friend, Danny Dark uh, from NBC, Danny uh, was incredible talent. And and during his reign at NBC, which was about 15 years, he did everything. Mm. You know, when I'm at Fox or CBS, I was the comedy voice. Or when I went to NBC, I was the drama voice. 
but in those days, those network voices did the comedies, the dramas, the reality, the live shows. They, they just right. were on everything because they were imaging the network itself. Mm. And Danny was um, such a good friend and um, uh, such a, a great support. And I learned so much uh, from him and owe him a lot. Um, so I, uh, I always uh, think very fondly of Danny. Uh, have a lot of great stories uh, just traveling around with Danny. He yeah. was something else. And back in the day, besides just being a network voice for NBC, uh, he was the voice of Budweiser. He was the voice of uh, right. uh, Chicken of the Sea Tuna. He, you know, he, he just uh, Keebler Cookies. He just had this unbelievable career yeah. and a wonderful voice that eventually went out of style. And he wasn't being used as much, and that was a uh, it was difficult for him to handle. Mm. But uh, he did, and um, I think even when he wasn't working that much anymore, he took a piano and he he played his trumpet more and traveled a lot with his wife Joe B. And um, so he found new ways. So he taught me that as well, because you know it is inevitable. Um, everything ends, yeah. and you know you can continue to work and. Maybe you won't be able to work at a certain level. I'm very fortunate where I am and where I have been. Uh, but at some point, you know, the the new talent has to take over. And not only that, it's it's just a, a change, you know, mm. in pop culture and a, and a change in, in how you market things and, and what's current. So um, you have to be a student of what's happening so that you can keep up. And I've always done that. But uh, it is inevitable. And it happened. And Danny taught me that as well, mm. that that will happen at some time. And uh, you know, be able to roll with it. I mean, I know you're still very much at the top of your game, but how much does passing on the the flame to the next generation play into your what you do now? You know, I know you do coaching as well. Is that is that important to you? Yeah, yeah. I you know I I learned early on from Don LaFontaine, uh, who was a great friend. Uh, you know, Don used to do these ride-alongs. He would invite voiceover talent to go along with him. Don used to go from session to session in a limousine. And yeah, I've seen the so video. He, yeah. <laughs> and he would invite a uh, voiceover talent that he would meet or that his agent had oh, met wow. or uh, and say, hey, why don't you come along with me tomorrow? You know, meet me <laughs> at uh, Tisherman's office, his agent, and um, and you'll come along for a day and talk about a master class. Yeah. Know, learning at the foot of uh, Don LaFontaine and just spending a day at, you know, he would go to a myriad of studios and every network, you know, I would see him in the morning at Fox and see him in the afternoon at CBS and in between at a, at a vendor, you know, like Wood Holly or something like that. So I learned from Don and, you know, after Don passed, his friend Paul Pape said, we, we really need to do something to honor Don. Mm. And we had a few different ideas, but uh, it was actually Paul who said, you know, how about a voiceover lab where mm. a voiceover talent can come and free of charge, just learn the craft. We'll build state-of-the-art studios. And we started riffing off of that. And we went to a few different places uh, to try to help us with this funding. And we landed at the Screen Actors Guild Foundation. Yeah. And they embraced it. And um, they said, listen, if you can come up with about $40,000 to start us off, we'll we'll start doing fundraising and, and we'll allocate uh, funds and we'll, we'll go after some grants and things like that. And uh, that's all I needed to know. That was on Friday. Mm. I started calling uh, people like um, Scott Rummel and, mm. oh my gosh, you know, all the um, Stu Herrera um, voiceover artists and saying, listen, we need a, 
can you can you kick in a thousand or five thousand? And I think we had fifty or sixty thousand dollars wow. by Monday. You know, yeah. so it was Fantastic. very easy to um, to do that. And if that list of names, which is um, on the SAG Foundation uh, website, if you go to the Don LaFontaine Voiceover Lab website at the SAG Foundation, you'll see all of our our, our members who stood up and and um, paid the cold hard cash and made the commitment, and they teach there uh, free of charge. And we have two beautiful state-of-the-art studios. And then recently, um, we uh, opened uh, a lab in New York City as well at the uh, SAG Foundation. So that's good. And then I learned from there, and and that's when I thought, you know, maybe there is something that, even though I don't fancy myself a director, uh, you know, uh, or, you know, that hands-on kind of coaching I think I can I can do something to help talent and really embrace that. And that's what led to, you know, doing the coaching that I do and going mm. out. Uh, I love going out to conferences and doing promo sessions and having people read the to picture. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. a it's fun and it's informative and it puts them in a real world situation. And then I and I love working with people and, and helping them with their careers and how to grow their careers. So I have to I go back to people like Don and Danny Dark, who did it for me, who kind of um, laid the foundation for me. I'm interested to hear what you uh, think about the way that things change stylistically. You mentioned a little while ago about how your voice can maybe not maybe slip out of the vogue of what's happening at the time. So how much does promo, how much is promo affected by that? Is it sort of at the same rate as maybe the commercial world or things like that? And how much can you do to roll with those changes? Yeah, I think that, yeah, definitely promo uh, does uh, evolve and change. And, uh, you know, I've I've worked on that um, over and over and over, you know, for years and years and mm. reinvented myself a- at least two, three times. And uh, you always have to be open to that. I think it's a matter of, as I said earlier, being a student of the art and know what's going on, paying attention, yeah. understanding uh, who's getting booked and why, and what's you know how is uh, marketing changing. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing that we do in promo, where it's a creative um, you know aspect to promo, and as a talent, yeah. but then at the same time, it's really true marketing. You know, it's really selling a product yeah, and uh, and understanding that as well. So, um, yeah, it does. Uh, promo uh, changes all the time. Um, take a listen to, um, you know, the ABC voices. Uh, I love what they're doing there. Uh, ABC every once in a while will do a throwback and have somebody that sounds like uh, Andy Geller, who used to be the big, deep, you know, ABC voice. Yeah. Uh, just to throw in a little um, a little way back machine, you know. Yeah. It's 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 interesting. It's it's fun to follow and it's challenging, you know, to keep up. But that's part of the gig. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe if your voice isn't currently in vogue, exactly. it may come back around, you know, mm-hmm. just have to have to wait it out. Um, so I want to get into the nuts and bolts of a typical day for you. How you know, how does it work? How do how do you work with the networks and, and things like that? And how how does your day flow? <laughs> uh, networks usually uh, are uh, a little later in the day. Um, I'm on the East Coast right now, which makes it a little difficult because a 6 p.m. West Coast session is suddenly 9 o'clock here, yeah. you know, yeah. and uh, I've had plenty of those. But um, the way I structure my day is I do a lot of radio imaging 
uh, because I came mm. from radio and I enjoy doing that. And I, I like to keep it up. So I have, gosh, I think I have about 26 radio stations that I oh. that I do. And uh, most of those, uh, they the scripts can come in throughout the day and I can knock them out whenever. Um, but uh, usually uh, I'll take care of all of the radio stuff in the morning. Yeah. Um, I'll have some other... Maybe like an ESPN session, which would be a 9 a.m. session. That's an East Coast um, booking, and that would be 9 o'clock on the, on the West Coast that I'd be doing that. Yeah. Um, so I, I do all of that uh, during the uh, morning hours, and then the networks usually kick in around noon or 1 West Coast time. And it's just because they're reviewing what they – they have morning meetings. They review what they did yesterday. They decide if they need to make any changes in the spots that were read and finished, and they may have to go back into audio and and uh, do a couple of um, changes. Uh, sometimes it's just video changes or a remix, and sometimes it's a reread, and mm-hmm. maybe not the entire spot, but but a, a, a portion of it. Maybe they did a, a quick little rewrite, and uh, once they do that, then they're getting into doing the creative for the new stuff uh, that has to be read. So then they're not really ready until two, three, four, five to be able to read those kind of spots. And this is for spots that are airing that evening? No, they're, uh, they would, uh, at the earliest, would air the next day. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, a pretty they, quick they turnaround. Have, <laughs> it is a pretty, yeah, it is. Because, you know, after we do our thing, we read, then it has to be mixed. And then it goes off to high res. And then high res, you know, puts in the graphics and the back plates, you know, all those pretty uh, colors and pictures at the at the end of a promo, and uh, they may um, you know a lot of the graphics in the middle of the promo might be roughed in, and, and they do the finish, the high res finish. Um, right. So all of that, you know, the high res room can work uh, very late at night, you know, yeah. and get it all turned around and ready for uh, network use, and also um, they go to, you know they they go out to the affiliates so that they can uh, run uh, the network promos during the day during their uh, programming that's uh, not being generated by the network. You know, right. maybe are running syndicated things or they have their own live stuff that they're doing local. Right. So why don't you explain now the sort of technical process with how you work? You know, um, obviously record from home. You don't, you're not going into studios or predominantly, I, I assume that's the case. Mm-hmm. So they'll contact you and say, we want to have you work on this, this spot for blah, 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 ESPN. They'll send you the script. I mean, how how much time do you have to sort of? It sounded like you really don't have very much time to. No, you, you don't. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And you know, it used to be we used to get booked uh, a day ahead of time. So yeah. I would hear today uh, about my bookings tomorrow afternoon, and mm. uh, because we were driving into the studios and everything was, uh, it was at a slower pace. It was still crazy frantic, but it was at a slower pace. Yeah. Now that they can get any voice anywhere uh, in a matter of seconds, uh, just by calling an agent and saying, I need somebody now. Yeah. Uh, I need Joe now. I need uh, Scott now. I need, you know, Laurie now. I, it, whatever it is, uh, because of our instant connectivity, um, we we we're, we have to be at the ready um, yeah. at, at, any, at any moment. So you don't get that script um, until right before the session. Mm. Uh in fact, we may hook up and, and we haven't gotten the script yet. I'll say, geez, I haven't seen the script. Yeah. Oh, I thought we, I sent that to you. Uh, here you go. Yeah. Are you ready? You know, here, let's do it. Um, so, yeah, you don't have a lot of time to prepare with the script. Yeah. Um, but it's different than doing commercials, uh, you know, where 
you're creating a character and there's so much more involved. Um, right. You know, um, I, I don't know if everybody would agree, but I, I think that I guess it's because it's my skill set and, and others who do this all the time that we're kind of like a quick study, you right. know, and um, you can see what they're they're going after. And there's usually direction from the writer producer uh, in the script, you know, might be a little something in there or they've told something to the room producer to pass along. Uh, what they're trying to, um, you know, to do with the script. And then you just jump in and do it. And of course, you're flexible, but they know what they're going to get when they hire Joseph Briano. I mean, they, you know, you've got a relationship with all these networks and things, haven't you? So, um, you know, you've got that sort of baseline of quality that it's then it's just tweaking it from that point. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I-, I think that that's it. And not just me, but, you know, all the men and women that do promo, um, yeah. they just know what they can do. The fun thing is when you can con- surprise them and and do something yeah. different and and say hey why don't we try this on that and maybe it was something they hadn't thought of yeah. and they're kind of i didn't even know you could do that uh they yeah. <laughs> sound like that yeah but then you know uh, conversely I-, I love it when you get direction to push you out of what you're you would normally do you yes. know you, you look at something you go oh yeah i see what they want they want this that and that but then if the uh, room producer or, or the writer producer says, you know what, why don't we try this? How about mm. this? And it's like, whoa, okay, I, yeah. I never thought of that. Uh, that's fun. When, you know, you hear it later and you go, wow, you know, I, I never would have thought of that. And how fun it was to be directed there to do yeah. it. So you have to be open, you know, to take direction. And when you're recording the session, obviously you're being directed live. So how long... How many takes are you giving out and, you know, how long is this session, you know, for a, a TV show? It, it's, it's pretty, pretty quick. You yeah. know, we, we, like I said, we do that, that first take is kind of the feel everything out, see how much time I have. Uh, oh, okay. I see that's the visual. Oh, and I see that this copy point matches what's coming up on the screen. So I have to say amazing when amazing is written on right. the screen. Yeah. Um, and so you do that first one, then you do a second one, pretty much you should be done. They, mm. they might say, ask for a third one. But on the third one, if, for example, it's a, it's a Monday spot, uh, when, when they say T to B, that's top to bottom, mm-hmm. um, let's do a T to B, but let's do a tonight version. So yeah. whereas normally we would just pick up tags, just do the top and bottom and just say, instead of Monday, you'd say tonight, next, Tomorrow, you know, yeah. we'll do a full take, a T to B with a tonight. And then they're satisfied. Okay, we got three takes. We're covered. Let's just pick up the next tag and the tomorrow tag and we're done. So right. it's, that's it. Three takes would be, that's, that's, uh, that's a long session. <laughs> <laughs> All these audiobook guys are just uh, with their head in their hands right now. <laughs> uh, boy, I, I know about that. I, you know, I, I don't know. I, our own book that Ann and I wrote, Living on Air, yeah. uh, Adventures in Broadcasting. I did the uh, the audio book, and um, wow, uh, that's that is <laughs> it's a whole different world. That's a lot of work <laughs> and a lot of time. I'm going to ask you about that book in a little while. Yes. Um, so they're presumably recording on their end, and yes. they're pretty much mixing straight away, and you're connecting via ISDN, Source Connect, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, as soon as you're done, if you know, you maybe you have three spots to do, maybe you have six, maybe you have two, you know, whatever the session is. And as soon as you're done, the mixer can then start mixing unless they have another read booked right after you, you yeah. know. And uh, then a lot of times, you know, in um, in sweeps, 
they, it's just rotating uh, voiceover artists, you know. It's one after the other, and they don't right. have time to mix. And so maybe the night mixer who comes in um, doesn't have as many reads and has to go back to the afternoon spots and mix them. Right. Yeah. And what about pickups? Um, is that something you record on your own and send in, or do they have to direct that? Uh, no, we, we do hook up for that. They, they very, very rarely will say, can you send us a, you know, an and in stuff instead of a then we, we, they hook up the networks. That's just the way they work. And they just like to do it in the session. I, I guess they, they get, um, you know, they get the same sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, they know what's there. They don't have to, they, I think they would just rather, um, have you on the line and, and direct you. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, cable networks might, you know, say, Hey, you know, we missed a line. Can you send this in? Yeah. And, and we'll do that. And, when I do syndicated, like if I'm doing the Simpsons um, syndicated package, which might be, I don't know, 20 episodes, uh, we do all that in, in one session. Wow. And yeah. it might be a two-hour session, and there, there are five spots per episode. Mm. So, But a lot of them are, um, the th- you read the 30, a lot of what you used in the 30 will work in the 20, unless there's a copy change, and then we'll go and we'll pick that up. But they can move stuff down. And so you may end up reading the 30, uh, maybe a line in the 20, a line in the 10, and then you read the five-second one, and then you move on to the next spot. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's quick-paced. <laughs> it's funny. It's, uh, this, I know we're getting super nitty-gritty here, but our audience for this podcast are going to eat this up. I just know it. So. <laughs> now, sticking with that theme for super anal. <laughs> um, <laughs> I want to get into the uh, how the union plays into this stuff because if they're promos for cable TV, this is considered by the union to be non-jurisdictional. Right. Um, <clears throat> so they don't have set minimums and things like that. Um, mm. But that's not the case for network. So obviously you have an agent and there's a lot of negotiation between the agent and the, the cable network. But do you have any part in the negotiation for the for the cable rates and things like that? Or how does well, that work? Uh, you know, the agents, um, they, certain uh, cable networks may just have already an established rate. This is right. what we do. And, and so that you're playing by that. Um, but I, I do let, you know, my agent, Mary Ellen Lord and, and Jessica Belofsky, um, you know, they do promo. That's what they do, you right. know. And so they know what's going on. It's it, when you're doing network stuff and it's a union job, uh, you're working on a scale and, you know, some people don't understand that Don LaFontaine, when he would do a network spot, he was making scale. He wasn't like scale and a half or double scale. Right. I mean, all of us work for scale. Yeah. And when it comes to trailers, well, that's a whole other thing. Then, then mm. Don would have his rate and yeah. I have my rate. My rate would be nowhere near Don's rate, you know. <laughs> so there, there's that whole hierarchy. Um, but on, on, the, on the cable side, yeah, you know, Mary Ellen and Jess, they, they negotiate that. If it's non-jurisdictional, um, then they'll come to me and say, okay, here's what they're saying. And then we'll talk about it and maybe we'll go back and ask for a little bit more. You know, And we do this, yeah. we do this in radio imaging. We do it in uh, syndication. Uh, yeah. We do it in a lot of you know, non-broad, non-broadcast stuff. Uh, while there's a scale... Um, you know, we, we, we always try to stick to what the union scale is mm-hmm. so that we're, we're, we never would want to undercut. You yeah. Know? You're in the ballpark. So we, we yeah. do keep it, you know, oftentimes a lot of these, um, 
cable networks and, and, and others, they just don't want to deal with what they perceive as being union paperwork and, and all of that, which right. truthfully isn't, isn't that bad. No. They, don't, they, they don't like, listen, we'd rather pay you more money uh, above scale just so we don't have to deal with that, you know? Yeah. So yeah. we'll oftentimes, we'll, we'll run our own. You know, we can use signatories and, mm-hmm. uh, and that way we get what the scale is plus the 10% for the agent plus the whatever the pension and welfare is for the union. We'll negotiate all of that mm-hmm. and then we'll just uh, create our, our own SAG-AFTRA uh, report through a signatory yeah. and run it through the union that way. So yeah, that's so like that's like turning a non-union gig union is is you know what we're always doing. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, I mean and the bells that's... are ringing, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> that means that <laughs> <laughs> it's the real world. This, yes. We're not trying to pretend to be a little uh, isolated, little hermetically sealed bubble yes. here. <laughs> um, now we've got a couple more questions, and then we can wrap up. Um, do you do promos in other countries, and how do they differ if you do? Hmm. Well, with with ESPN, they do run in other countries, but that's a, a negotiated rate with with them, uh, and they're based here. Mm. And I'm able to do that. Uh, they're non-union, but I'm able to do that because it is non-jurisdictional and running internationally. Mm. Um, as far as doing, I do work. Um, <laughs> I, I work for a few uh, companies uh, in the Netherlands, and they're always interesting because. Uh, this company is uh, kind of tied to Endemol and right. um, all of the game show, which I, I do a lot of game show work that I, I love. Yeah, um, I do both live and recorded, but I do a lot of what's called sizzle reels, yeah. which is kind of like they have the concept of the show and they're selling it to a network or they're selling it to a vendor and they're selling it worldwide or they're selling it in the U.S., so I, I do have uh, in the Netherlands, I do these the most bizarre um, <laughs> shows um, that some of them end up, uh, you know, running uh, in the U.S. Like The Voice is a great example. The Voice started, I think, in Denmark or wherever it started and was more of a worldwide hit before it got here to the U.S. And of yeah. course, it's a it's a great U.S. hit. But I've seen a lot of shows that begin internationally and then end up here and vice versa. But uh, so when we negotiate with them, we negotiate at the SAG uh, um, level, you know, yep. the, um, uh, for, for pricing for um, scale. And, and we'll actually get a little bit better than that, plus the 10 percent for the agent. And again, that's another situation where we'll use a signatory, uh, a third party and run that through the uh, through the union. Right. I see. And stylistically, I mean, presumably if they're hiring you, they want the. Uh the American like sound, uh, you know. So yeah, yeah, they want the American sound. Um, I, you know, I've, uh, I've been told, you know, uh, several times that uh, here and um, especially here in the U.S., it's they'll put me on a, a sizzle when they're going in to pitch a network, uh, because what what they'll tell me is it already sounds like it's on the air when we put your voice on it. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, and I have one producer who uses me a lot, and he says, quite frankly, you're just good luck for us, you know. But it, it does, you know, they, they, they'll go in and they'll, they'll play it for them. Here's our concept. Here's what we've done. We've shot a pilot and here's our sizzle and I'm voicing it. And it sounds like, wow, this is already on the air on yeah. CBS or NBC. And yeah. um, so it gives them a little bit of a, a leg up, you know. Great. All right. So if everyone that's listening to this, well, not everyone, but if someone 
is listening to this and they desperately want to get into the promo world, what would your suggestion be for their first steps to, uh, you know, reach where you are now? I, you know, and you do. Everything has to be step by step. And I learned that, you know, myself, you know, mm. coming into this. It's it, you, it's hard to leap over um, steps. I mean, it, it happens, uh, but it, it's really studying, you know, mm-hmm. and and uh, learning the craft. And, you know, even those YouTube videos that you were talking about, watching other uh, talent working and yeah. seeing how things are done. It's so very important. So study uh, workshops, um, working with coaches uh, is very, very important. And it's it's a step that cannot be skipped, you know, uh, and you shouldn't jump into doing a demo until you've, you know, you've really worked with some some coaches and you are at a level because no matter what, you, you do have that, you don't want to mess up your first impression for um, either a, an agent, uh, your representation, maybe it's a manager or certainly, you know, uh, someone who is a, a buyer, you know, a, um, a voice seeker. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very important to take that step by step and and not be too anxious to g- get it all done immediately. You know, mm. um, just working at it under, and understanding what the gig is, is, is very important. And it sounds like what you were saying earlier, it, it's not quite so crucial these days that you have to be in an L.A. or an NYC to, mm, to do this. Not at all. Yeah. You know, when, when Ann and I moved to Los Angeles, um, I, I wanted to pursue what I do. And you could only do it if you lived in L.A. I mean, yeah. if you lived in New York, there wasn't a lot of uh, entertainment network promos being done. They could maybe do sports and news there yeah. uh, on a network level. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it had to be here. And now um, it's that's what makes it listen, it it makes it so great for people that want to get into the business. Um, You don't have to up and leave, um, you know, a town where your family is or whatever else is is keeping you there. And you can work from just about anywhere. I think the, the most important thing with that is you have to have representation that deals on that kind of level all the time. So as long as you're represented by franchised agent in New York or Los Angeles. Yep. You can live just about anywhere. Because truthfully, you know, when I do a session uh, for whomever, uh, you know, in L.A. and I'm in L.A. and I'm only 10, you know, 10 miles away from them or even three miles away from them, we're still hooking up on the yeah. same right. connectivity <laughs> that somebody in Pennsylvania or Florida or Canada is yeah. using. So, um, yeah, it doesn't matter where you are physically. Um, yeah. It's having the chops, uh, being able to do, you know, what they need, br- bringing them your talent, which, you know, it always works to be unique and, and be yourself because nobody else is doing that. And they're always looking for new voices and new talent. And But the, the most important thing uh, is having representation that can get you heard, you know, and get you up for those for those gigs. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. That's fantastic. Before we sign off, why don't you tell us a little about uh, where people can find out more about you and tell us about your book as well. Oh, well, thank you. Um, well, gosh, I, <laughs> joecipriano.com and, uh, is a place where you can go and read a little bit about me and hear what I do. I'm also on Facebook. Uh, I think I'm Joseph VO there. Yep. And um, as far as coaching, mm. it was not something that I always thought that I would be good at. Uh, I don't think I'm so great at trying to um, 
impart what it is that somebody needs to do to um, color their read. I mean, there are so many great coaches. Mm. But what I, I do have a knack for is understanding the overall of a career yeah. and wh- what your goals are and what are you doing to, A, set those go- goals and then follow up and, and, and you know, move towards those goals. Um, it's, it's something that we're, we all have a problem with. You know, <laughs> it's always at New yeah. Year's where you say, I'm going to do this. Right. <laughs> I'm going to go to the gym every day. You know, yeah. and it's the same thing with a career. And then it starts to fall off and, mm. and, and you forget. So uh, I like to keep people on track and remind them of what they're doing and, and show them where they can go. And then as far as, you know, coaching someone in promo and doing the promo master classes, I love doing those because I like to work with um, a certain level of talent. You know, I, I work with beginners. I work with intermediates and talking about career and all of that. But when I'm doing a master class, uh, I like to work with people that have gone through that. And they're, they're right on the edge. They're just knocking on the door of yeah. network promo. And maybe they've had one or two. And when you get up to that level, you know, I tell them when we do master classes, it's it's like an it's an inch this way and a you know fraction this way, and it's a yeah. thought process or it's a, a lift an eyebrow. I mean, it's so slight uh, that can color and change your entire read. And for yeah. my master classes, I teach and I also bring in uh, people who work in the industry all the time, booking talent uh, in in the promo industry. Mm. And uh, like Eric Poole, who does um, radio promos for mm. uh, networks, and um, Brett Wynn, who runs a company called The Refinery, and they do creative for all the networks and for uh, movie trailers as well. And um, I'll bring a manager in. I'll bring an agent in uh, because I-, I want them to be able to read and learn from people who are working in the industry right now. Um, yeah. It's good to work with a coach who is a voiceover coach and maybe isn't working in the industry, but they have that great knowledge of, of teaching. Uh, but when it comes to these master classes, I want them to interact with people that are working now, you know, doing it today. And where do you, where do you hold these master classes? I'll do them um, uh, at my home in Los Angeles, or I'll, I'll book a recording studio. Mm. Uh, the website for that is josepianoconsulting.com. Okay. Uh, and, um, I also have a promo masterclass page uh, that you can search Joe Cipriano uh, promo masterclass on Facebook and you'll see things there. Um, what was the other thing I was going to tell you? A book? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that pesky book. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Anne and I, uh, I always wanted to do something with Anne. She's, like I said, she's an Emmy Award winner. She's a writer. Wow, that's great. She's going for her master's degree right now in media literacy, which is really wonderful. Yeah. And um, I'm her tech uh, support. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, uh, but we, uh, I, when I came up, I, I would come up with certain ideas and maybe, you know, we, we just, we would start on something that wasn't right. But when we came up with the book talking about, um, you know, my path, uh, through radio, mm. uh, my background, you know, uh, Italian American, my big family back in Connecticut, there were a lot of rich stories to tell. And, and also in broadcasting, there are a lot of uh, interesting people in broadcasting. And yeah. uh, and voiceover as well. So we worked on it for three years, and uh, gosh, it was it was so fun to do. We literally what a great collaboration that was. Uh, we would write separately, but then I would write a chapter, send it to her, and she would make her changes and send it back to me. She liked sitting in her office at our home, quiet. 
I would sit outside on the patio with music from whatever era we were writing about, 70s, oh, right. 80s, 90s, and, you know, and do yeah. it that way. So we had different uh, styles. And um, it's a fun book. Uh, it's Living on Air, Adventures in Broadcasting. You know, I've had some great reviews on it, really mm. generous reviews. And uh, But mostly it's kind of like people talk about the power of positivity is what comes through in the book. Definitely. And being yeah. positive and never giving up and being persistent. And that goes to your earlier question uh, of how do you get into this business and, and how do you get to be successful in promo or anything besides the coaching and the learning and, and all of that and not skipping those steps. It's never give up and be the most persistent person in the room. Yeah. And it's always those that are the last one standing. You know, you're going to get a lot more no's then you get yeses. And I, that's true for me today. Um, it, it's never ending. Uh, so you can't let the no's get you down. You know, got to well, keep going. That, what a fantastic way to end it. Um, thank you so much for all that information. I know we crammed an awful lot into a 45, 50 minute chat. <laughs> Sorry it was so uh, detailed in the middle, but I think. But it is. It's considering fun. the audience, it, it, I think. Yeah, it's fun to talk. <laughs> absolutely. Thanks, absolutely. Thanks yeah, so much, Joe. Appreciate, appreciate it. it. All right. Have a good day. So what a joy that was to talk to Joe. He's such a nice guy, so down to worth, and he's got some really, really interesting, fun stories there. Um, who knew about the 416, how that came to be? And of course, Joe's story was really interesting, um, how he came up from radio and his mentors and the importance of mentoring. And yeah, that was such a, such a fun interview and Joe's such a fun guy. So thank you, Joe. Uh, that's it for this episode so I hope you enjoyed that I hope you got something out of it thanks for listening and I'll see you next time thanks bye thank you to this week's guests to our sponsor J. Michael Collins and Backstage Magazine thanks also to Kyle Marie Colucci and Chris Sharps for social media support join us next time for another class <laughs>